What's the one thing all great teams have in common? Great coaching. Try to suck up to me, everyone. I'm Gordon Bombay, the new hockey coach. All right, let's go! Learn me! Come on! We're Team USA, gathered from all across America. And we're gonna stick together. You know why? Because we are ducks, and ducks fly together. It's the Quack Attack Podcast. Hey, everybody. A little ice cream, perhaps? I'm Mike. That's Tommy. Hello, everyone. Kevin is not here, but we have the original Quacklight, I will call her. Joyce is here. Thank you for being here, Joyce. Welcome to the Quack Attack Podcast, the definitive Money Ducks podcast. Joyce, appreciate you being here. Um, appreciate you standing in for Kevin as well, as he uh, is still MIA. Yeah, very, very rude of Kevin, but thank you for having me. Um, and in the spirit of Kevin, uh, I will give you a kin token update. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, my my balance it went down negative thirty two percent this week. <laughs> wow! So we're at a dollar thirty. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Really. Uh, I feel like you might be doing a little better than Kevin, and you're uh, you must have a different exchange or something. I mean, well, it's is that really that surprising? I don't think so. <laughs> Joyce, uh, have you ever made any very um, silly investments like Kevin has? Um, no, not not financially or with turkey legs. I don't think <laughs> so. Nice. So uh, I'm a lot more cautious than he is. I would say he's more of a wild card. I think that's true, and that's why we we love him. That's why we have him on the pod. Yeah. He's so. True. For the newer Quacklights, Joyce, uh, as I said, the original Quacklight was a very early fan and a very early fan of ours, and we appreciate that. Um, she really was the very first winner of the Quack Question of the Year that's still in her Twitter bio. We appreciate that. Um, yeah, it's the only thing I've ever won, so thank you very much <laughs> for everyone who voted for me four years ago. Yeah. Um, do you want to plug anything before we get going here? Um, I don't know. I don't know what I have to plug. Um, cause I'm not a duck. I'm sorry. I feel like this is a downgrade from last week with Aberman. Um, I mean, if you want to follow me on Twitter, um, at Joyce Ang 61, um, you can expect a lot of tennis tweets, um, and award show tweets with the Emmys coming up this weekend. And then you can unfollow me or just block me. I don't care. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Joyce, obviously you're a big movie and TV buff. Is there a, a movie or a TV show that you've seen recently that you think everyone needs to go watch? Um, I feel like this is a very common answer in the Twitterverse, but Fleabag is the best show of the year. Um, and it, season Fleabag. two drops in May on Amazon. So everyone should watch that if they haven't already. It's just six episodes. Season one was only six episodes. And I really hope it wins comedy series at the Emmys on Sunday. Fleabag? Yeah, Fleabag with uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. It's based on her um, one-woman play that she made six years ago, uh, and she turned it into a show. Um, and she she also co-created or she adapted Killing Eve, and she wrote the new James Bond. Oh, wow! Yeah. All right, Very Fleabag. I'll add it to the queue. Individual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I should mention we. As Joyce mentioned, and, and Joyce knows this, we explained this to her, uh, I feel like our people are going to be a little disappointed after having Matt Doherty on last week. So we did have another duck on 
we were supposed to this week. And he ended up getting an audition at the same time we were going to pod. So he had to back out. I tried to reach out some to some other people at the last minute, uh, but didn't work out. But we are very happy to have Joyce. She's one of our favorites. She'll be one of your favorites if you did not listen to... Uh, She's been in a few episodes now. The, I think it was in the last trivia contest. I, I, I angered um, Goldberg, so. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, one that, of her. That's qu- my claim to <laughs> Yeah, one of her yeah. quack questions really upset uh, Sean White. Do you remember what the question was? Oh, because um, he didn't know what surreptitious meant. Oh, yeah. Because I think I, I used that in the question, yeah. He got yeah. very upset. Yeah. There was a question about how he and Rust uh, surreptitiously switched pads there in d2 and uh yeah yeah he was <laughs> he, he was a little flustered by yeah which is fair which is fair so uh i'm sure the listeners know and i'm sure joyce knows but just a quick recap in case you missed our last episode this is going to be the second part of our quote-unquote trivia quarterfinals here so we're gonna have two matchups and it is the debate round. So we're going to give each matchup one topic to debate. And one person will take one side of it. The other person will take the other side of it. And they're each going to give an opening statement, which is going to last about 90 seconds. And then they're each going to ask each other three questions to sort of break down the other's argument. And the other person will have to respond. And then they're going to give a closing statement, which is going to be a maximum of 90 seconds as well. After that, Tommy, me, and Joyce will discuss. We will pick our winners, and that person will move on to the semifinals. So I think that's all we have to uh, talk about before we get going here. So let's bring on our first competitors right now. We have an interesting... 15 seed versus 10 seed matchup in the second round. You don't see those a lot. So I'm excited here. We have Aaron and Eli on the line. They are going to be our first matchup. Aaron is the number 15 seed. He swept Luke 2-0. Aaron, thank you for being here. Hello. Aaron is from Phoenix. He he works in insurance, does property insurance. If you remember, he graduated up from... Uh, car insurance so uh, we've i think last time we talked the next step up was like malls and costcos and stuff like that have you reached that sort of pinnacle of insurance yet no it's very office spacey so you know every day might be worse than the one before it so (laughs) we'll just leave it at that okay (laughs) uh your twitter handle is at AKD underscore 56, I'm assuming A and D are your initials. What does the K stand for? Uh, Keith. Keith. Oh, the middle name. Nice. Yeah. And uh, what? I'm, I'm not that difficult. You know, I'm not too <laughs> complex. There. Yeah. So what does the 56 stand for then? Um, well, that was actually my number that I wore when I played hockey. Mm. But... Uh, my my favorite player as a kid was Lawrence Taylor, so that's why I was like fifty six. Oh, perfect, perfect. I I think you have one of the greatest Twitter profiles of all time. The your profile description is no period, 
uh, I not much of a sharer, are you? No, and I, that's actually from my buddy. I stole that from him. I guess he was getting assholed on there, and he just put no, and I'm like, that's a good idea. So I just stole it from him. <laughs> I did see that you went to Medieval Time recently, though. How was that? Um, it wasn't my choice. We'll, we'll say that. Um, I'm not a Renaissance guy. Um, my wife loves it, and... I guess it was cool to see the the horses and stuff, but the the accents and stuff get real old real quick. Okay. Well, we were going to do accents, but uh, I guess uh, we won't do it just for you. I've never been to Medieval Times. Uh, I would like to go, but not, maybe not after that uh, Less Than Sterling review. <laughs> it's everything you expect it to be. We'll just go with that. All right. Okay. Well, as long as I go and... I guess drink a lot. It should be fun. <laughs> All right. So let's move on to Eli. The number 10 seed also had a sweep, 2 nothing in the first round uh, from St. Louis, Missouri, City of Champions. Um, That's right. Yeah. Beat the, beat the Boston guy in the first round. And we had Nate in the last round. He lost. So you really have to keep up the championship tradition for St. Louis here. You're the last one. And oh no, yeah, devastating. In the, you work in the fast-paced world of the IT staffing industry, um, just sports cars and models all the time. I assume <laughs> not quite uh, that Bombay D two status, but you know maybe one day I'll uh, I'll work my way up to that. <laughs> nice. All right, and I feel like you used to have a Twitter. Did you delete it? I did. Yeah. So I. You know, I got rid of all my social media with the exception of my LinkedIn. So, uh, Mike, you can go ahead and put that in the show notes, and okay. everybody feel free to add me on LinkedIn. Okay. So, Eli, what was the impetus of that? Uh, you know, just one day, felt like it was something I wanted to do. Um, really, no reason behind it. I just, you know, all throughout college and everything, I just never really used it, except for, for group projects and stuff of that nature, so... As soon as I graduated college, just decided to, to leave it behind. Do you have Instagram? I do not have Instagram, um, but my wife has everything, so I kind of live through her if anything important happens. Yeah, so how do you keep like in touch with like the the hottest memes and stuff? <laughs> Reddit. Oh, okay, yeah, Reddit, I guess yeah. so. Okay, that's fair. Mike, you have to put the, the dirty rock gift of jack saying he's on linkedin lemon he might as well be dead (laughs) (laughs) yeah so yeah look for that in the show notes i'll put that on there um i should mention aaron and eli have already met joyce they have already uh they know they know they're in the presence of royalty here so uh we're expecting a big first round from you so are your topic today the first debate topic is in d3 Gordon Bombay was actually dead for most of the scenes he was supposedly in. So I'll read that again. In D3, Gordon Bombay was actually dead for most of the scenes he was supposedly in. This has been a long time theory of the pod. We're going to bring it to the Quacklights now to debate. And with the random number generator, Eli, you are for this. So you are saying Gordon Bombay was actually indeed dead for most of the scenes he was actually in. Uh, Aaron, 
you are arguing that he was not actually dead. And Eli, you are the higher seed. So you get to pick whether you would like to present your argument for first or second. You know, I think I'll go second. Okay. So Aaron, are you ready? So I'm saying that he's alive, right? Correct. You're saying that he is alive. Okay. Um, you have 90 seconds, and we will begin the clock whenever you start talking. So whenever you're ready, take it away. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, it's pretty clear that Gordon Bombay is alive. Um, he's moving forward with his life and his career to accept the position in the Goodwill Games, which is the natural progression of him. Um, as he tried to return to be a player at his late, late 20s, the next step would be to move to the front office. So he does so in the junior goodwill game. Um, one of the disputes is that he's not involved, um, and he only speaks with uh, Casey at the uh, beginning when they are inducted at Ian Hall. Um, he does have a conversation as uh, Russ denotes that Gordon's not going to be coaching so they have a new coach. So I think the tone that he states for that with would be obvious that he's, they're moving on as opposed to he's now deceased. Um, also, when he presents his case, it clearly is what wins them to keep their scholarships and allow them to stay at Eden Hall. All right. Well done there. And Eli, are you ready? suppose I am, Mike. All right. Whenever you feel the need, start talking and we'll start the clock. Sure thing. So, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious watching these documentaries that Coach Gordon Bombay has been deceased uh, throughout the majority of the Mighty Ducks 3 movie. Not the full movie. Um, there are scenes where, you know, Gordon Bombay is alive and well. Um, but then there are also scenes where Gordon Bombay has been dead the whole time. And one of those scenes specifically I want to talk you through is when he is with Charlie Conway, kind of taking Charlie on this journey. Now, a reference point I like to use for this journey is uh, the, uh, now I just blanked on it, that Christmas movie with the ghost of Christmas past, present, future. This is Bombay, his spirit, kind of guiding Charlie on this journey, showing him to turn from his selfish ways, um, turning against his team and really just being a, a selfish player and, and not wanting to, you know, play for Eden Hall, um, and just showing him that, you know, other people are going through different things in their lives, and, and he's not the only one who's struggling, and so he really needs to come together as a part of his team, because, I mean, at the heart and soul of the Mighty Ducks movies, I think it's pretty clear that Charlie Conway is, is kind of the main character and the focus of the movie, and we grow with Charlie as a character, so really, Bombay's death in Mighty Ducks 3 is something that Charlie really just is, is wrestling through, and um, he can't cope with it so he just pretends that coach gordon bombay is alive the whole time and really it's pretty clear to the audience that he's dead so gordon bombay's death serves as a way to carry charlie's story forward uh and progress him into the noble and lovable character he becomes at the end of d3 wow very good and uh joyce as our uh movie expert um would you like to tell us the name of that movie that eli was forgetting Oh, the ghost of Christmas past from a Christmas town. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> there was like a question mark at the end. So I was like, wait, maybe I was wrong. All right. So, Eli, you uh, you went second, so you are up questioning first. You have three questions. You're, you're going to ask them one by one. Aaron's going to answer them one by one. Um, you know, keep it relatively short. We don't have a full time limit on this, but if you start talking for hours, we're going to cut you off. So, Eli, sure take it away with your first question. Aaron, if you could please just name for me all the characters that Bombay has dialogue with in the Mighty Ducks 3. Nice. Well, he has Con- uh, Casey, Conway, Charlie. Um, there's a moment in the boardroom in which Coach O'Ryan acknowledges how well he's doing. And then at the end when uh, Dwayne says, look what Bombay did as the banner is revealed. Mm. Strong, strong. All right. Getting frisky. I like it. Eli, second question. Sure thing. How did that banner get there? I mean, there's a full stadium of people. You know, I I don't think any single person did that. I I almost feel like it had to be, you know, something supernatural. Well, the banner is simply unfurled. You could just pull a cord or untie a bow or a ribbon or a string and have it fall down. Yeah, simple enough. All right, Eli, third question. <laughs> well, I guess I should clarify my question. I was asking how it got there in the first place. Well, it we'll was allow something it. that Linda was work, worth working on as well in, in assistance with the Gordon Bombay to get the name changed. But because Dwayne clearly acknowledges that it, Bombay is the one who changed it, that's why it was renamed to the Eden Hall Duck. All right, third question now. Yep, last question is, I mean, why don't we see much of Bombay in the the third movie? What's going on there? Well, he's obviously working for the Junior Goodwill Games. He's all over the globe, scouting talent, growing the game, reaching out to Trinidad, Tobago. That's a long flight, going over to China probably, another long flight. He's just not around to make that connection. Now he does reemerge as needed because he does he does still have an affection for Charlie and he, and the team so he wants him to do well so he's doing a long distance relationship with the team hmm. no that's good I just find it a little interesting how he's always conveniently available when needed, oh. needed but oh. you know let's, uh, and, let's... and just for Charlie really mm-hmm. oh, yeah. I, I would disagree that oh, because at uh... the funeral he does hug, hug several members of the, of the Duck team hmm Interesting. Okay. Yeah, a little back and forth there. I'm not sure the judges would have allowed that in official capacity, but I'm I'm gonna allow it just because they both got to speak. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. I didn't know if we had to strike that. I don't have record. a gavel with me, so I can't. <laughs> All right, we're gonna switch the roles here. Aaron, you are asking the questions now. Eli, you must answer. Aaron, your first question. Um, Eli, how would you? respond to the entire team um, putting him in the trash can when they're playing outside if he is in fact the team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I touched on it a little bit kind of in my opening point, but I think the spirit of Gordon Bombay is alive and well. And I think that team is really kind of, you know, living in with that spirit of Bombay. And it's just, they can, they can feel his presence. They can sense him there. And especially when the banner drops, you know, with the way and like, Man, only Gordon, only Gordon could have done that. Like he's not with us today, but 
I know he's up there watching out for us and, and, and installing that banner. And so, yeah, I think in that scene, it was more so they were with the spirit of Bombay and not the physical being of Gordon. All right. Aaron, question number two. How would you um, explain them being saved by him in the board in the boardroom and their scholarships being reinstated if it wasn't Bombay? How, how did that happen? Yeah, I just think of, you know, us as the viewer, we're able to see Bombay in this physical form that really does not exist um, for those in the movie who don't, you know, believe in him and aren't with him. Um, you know, I think that it's just Bombay spirit working through these people that are there in the boardroom and really allowing the Ducks to be reinstated because it's not really Bombay there. That's just what we as the audience see. But in the boardroom, it's, it's someone else whose Bombay spirit is working through. Strong. All right. Question number three, Aaron. All right. So you're saying this sort of spirit situation. Are you saying, I just want to confirm that this is a physical ghost that lifted him out of bed and threw him onto the floor. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, sorry. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, if you've ever seen the movie, uh, uh, The Sixth Sense, I don't want to spoil anything for you, but, you know, uh, these ghosts years are later. real <laughs> and not everybody can see them. And so they can interact in the physical world. But really only the, to those who, you know, kind of believe that they're there and, and you know, are with them and, and, and can speak to them and communicate with them. So I really think it's, it's, you know, the spirit of Bombay is there and he lives within each of the ducks. That's something that he passed along um, when he passed away. And these ducks are just able to kind of conjure that spirit. And, you know, all of them together, Gordon Bombay is real. But And we as the audience can see that. But in reality, Gordon's not there. Um, they're just kind of living in this, you know, fantasy. But... Gordon Bombay, his spirit is alive and well in the Mighty Ducks. Wow. Well done. Well done question and answer round. That was uh that was strong from both sides. That was yeah, that was very strong. All right. So we gotta go to the closing arguments now. Aaron, you are up first. You have ninety seconds. Again, we start the clock whenever you start talking. So whenever you're ready. All right. And I just wanna say that in conclusion it's obvious that Gordon Bombay is alive. He interacts with multiple characters throughout the film. He's physically lifted and placed into a trash can at one point. He's hugging members around a funeral. He's talking to Casey Conway. Um, he's being acknowledged by Coach Orion. But unfortunately, my opponent here, he wants you to believe that ghosts are real and <laughs> spirits are around and infecting everyone throwing Charlie Conway onto the floor, and it's just not possible. Gordon obviously developed as a character. He moved on to a front office position, but he still has a love for these players and Charlie, and he wants to, and he wants to help them succeed, so he comes back when he can, as he's needed, to improve their situation. Well done. Nice. All right. Aaron's case rests. Eli... You will have the last word here, your argument, whenever you're ready. Absolutely. Well, Aaron, I'm going to pose a, a rhetorical question to you. Have you ever seen Santa Claus? Because I'll tell you what, Aaron, I have, okay? And it was when I was a child, and I believed. Nowadays, I'd probably tell you Santa's not there. But as any true fan of the Mighty Ducks would say, watching these three, it's obvious. Gordon Bombay is not there. He's not alive anymore. He's passed. And we're able to see this because, you know, based on other media, other documentaries we've consumed as well, we can see that 
spirits are alive and well and living within those people who believe in them and who care about them. Gordon Bombay is not a physical character, but a spiritual character in The Mighty Ducks 3. He comes when he is needed. He comes to help out the team, to give them the resources they need to succeed without him. That's, that's the whole case in point of D3. Bombay has gone away, and he's coming back, and he returns to help those who follow him. So, you know, when we see Gordon Bombay appear kind of suddenly out of nowhere, how does he get into this apartment? How does he get into this ice rink? He just appears to help those, and he only appears when those people are in need. So I, to me, it's a more likely story that Bombay is dead and his spirit is alive and, and living and well within those who believe in him than it is to say, oh, he caught a flight from China to make sure Charlie was going to be okay. Um, I, I just I can't see how that's realistic. I think clearly Bombay has been dead the whole time, and, and it's his spirit that we see in the Mighty Ducks 3 saving the Ducks and, and really giving them a future in hockey. Wow. Well done. Well done. That one was strong. Uh, Joyce, just your first impressions. Uh, I'm very impressed by the invoking of the spirits. Um, I I wasn't really, I mean, I guess I was expecting that, but not so much of it. Um, and I really appreciate all the references to Ghost of Christmas Past and even The Sixth Sense. <laughs> um, and it's, I, I, I would say um, I, I feel like you could have drilled it home more uh, with, you know, the scene when um, they're watching Orion and his daughter. It's it's very heavenly like with like mm. the billowing smoke on the ice rink, you know, I think that's almost a metaphor almost for Bombay in the heavens, you could say, um, especially for those who believe that he's dead. Um, and Aaron, I think your your point is very strong too. Like he he's physically interacting with a lot of people, people touch him. Um, it's not just, you know, like when you watch Sixth Sense, Bruce Willis, like he, he's like in scenes, but people aren't really laying their hands on him like they are with Bombay. So I think you both have made very valid points. Um, this is a tough one. Yeah. I did not expect so much Sixth Sense talk, but I'm glad we're here. Yeah. Yeah. I sure. thought... I thought both of you really hand, handled the questions well. Both of you asked strong questions, direct questions. Both of you handled them very well. And I like that I got a little tense because I felt like last week, no offense, it was a little formal. Yeah. Especially the first round. Yeah. I we agree. We got that just one attitude. <laughs> I yeah, agree. I, I wanted to call shenanigans on this beforehand. You have a debate with two lawyers in this. It's <laughs> a little unfair, but. <laughs> <laughs> well. Yeah, who knows? Well, we have one lawyer, right? We just have uh, Danny. Well, he's a DA. That's not really a lawyer, is it? Mm-hmm. I don't know how it works. My, my opponent shows no credibility. I would like this case dismissed. <laughs> there were two in the first round. I don't know if the other one made it. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I think the other guy lost in the first round, so... Uh, yeah, so we just had Danny. Unless there's one in the next, no, there, I don't. No, there's not one in the next round. So yeah, I think we just had one. Um, yeah, well, I, that's just luck of the luck of the draw. Like I didn't know I was gonna have a debate round for the second round <laughs> before I started this. So um, let's get to the topic at hand, Tommy. Uh, let's give us your thoughts and then uh, make your pick. All right. So my overall thoughts is that um, I essentially awarding three points for this. Um, I thought uh, Eli got the uh, the first point in terms of the, uh, the opening arguments. I thought his was, was stronger, more impassioned. 
Um, for questions, I thought I gave it to Aaron. I gave him the nod. I thought that his um, his questions were better overall. I think they um, he was doing a very good job at um, not only proving his point by asking the questions, but also attempting to discredit Eli. Although Eli, I thought you had some very good answers. Um, but Aaron, I also thought your your answers were good. And so to me, this really kind of came down to the very end. And so I I kind of uh, also agree with what Joyce said about. You know, Eli, you kind of, you know, hammered home the, um, you know, the spiritual thing. Would have liked to have seen a little bit more. Um, I think one thing Aaron was missing was, um, and you kind of touched on a little bit in your, your first answers, but you, you really should have cited more about the emotions of the characters. It's like if he was dead the whole time, they would not have been so happy-go-lucky, et cetera, things like that. You might have seen some more references. So I thought you missed out on that. Um, but I think overall... I think um, I think Aaron's strong um, questioning really won me over because I think it um, was uh, a difficult um, topic. You can't have as much fun um, doing that, and so I thought Aaron's approach was good. So uh, though I really enjoyed Eli's um, defense of it, I th- I give the nod to Aaron based on his his questions that I, I thought they were they were stronger, um, and it was enough to really pull over as well as um, the final part. I, I thought his final statement was good. Nice. Congratulations, Aaron, on your your first point here. Um, I will go next. As I mentioned, great uh, great debate there. As Joyce mentioned, got a little testy. I like that. It seemed like you guys actually didn't like each other, which is uh, what we're trying to do: create some chaos. Um, I liked I liked Aaron at the end pulling the uh, just trying to throw Eli's credibility. Uh, into the wind with the like my opponent must have you believing in ghosts and that kind of stuff i thought that was strong uh judging on on the criteria we gave which was uh evidence from the films to base their argument um degree of difficulty i thought eli had a bit of a harder sell here and then style points uh eli i thought you had the style points and i liked your final point about uh, if, as Aaron said in the questioning, Bombay was taking flights to Trinidad and Tobago and China and stuff like that. Why is he taking a flight back to China just to get Charlie out of bed? I thought that was strong, and that might have pushed me over the edge. So with that, I'm going to go with Eli and uh, leave it up to Joyce here. Oh, God. <laughs> Can I you really like point? to throw the gas <laughs> under the bus. <laughs> Very rude. Um Okay. I think uh, I think you both did a very commendable job. Um, and I think I'm going to give this to Eli. I'm sorry, Aaron. Um, just because I feel like he was very prepared for Aaron's uh, very strong line of questioning. Um, it, it didn't seem like he was just rattling stuff off the cuff. He was very prepared with a very spiritual, supernatural-based defense. Um, and I love that he just owned it. Like, he went all in on it. Um, and, you know, why can't you believe in ghosts? Um, you know, Roblo had a whole show chasing ghosts and Bigfoot, so <laughs> it, it could be real. Um, and I, I just felt like his, his closing argument was also very impassioned. Um, and... There, there are, it's, it's also, yes, the tougher side to argue, especially, um, with a lot of what Aaron pointed out in his questioning, but I think he handled that very well, um, and sold it very well. 
Congratulations to Eli. Aaron, just a close loss there. Uh, no shame at all in that. Uh, appreciate you coming on. Uh, Eli, appreciate you coming on as well. Do you have any questions for Joyce? Yeah. Well, first I just want to say, Aaron. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I, I, wanted, I wanted to uh, wash you up a little bit, Eli. I, personally, I thought you smoked me. Um, so I'm <laughs> glad I didn't get shut out. So we'll just we'll just take that because I this is one that's tough because I don't actually believe what I had to argue so it makes it that much serious? more difficult you know yeah I, I'm on the same boat man there's no way he's dead like it's <laughs> like, crazy we should have switched like, it yeah. uh, that's all right well hey no hard feelings man I uh yeah it, like Mike said it got testy there but I, I appreciate the scrap man it was awesome and I'm going to follow you That's on LinkedIn. That's why it worked, because you, you made it believable. So. Yeah. Mike, seriously, you got to throw that link in in the show notes. Like, uh, all I'm right. I'm going to have all the quack lights by tomorrow. All right. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> to follow you on LinkedIn. I'm going to get all the quack lights to follow you on LinkedIn. Uh, it sounds like you're trying to get out of your job, but, hey, we can respect the upwardly mobile no. quack light. No. So I'm, I'm trying to help other quack lights get LinkedIn. You know that. Uh, oh. <laughs> Joyce, do you have a secret LinkedIn? <laughs> Do I? Yeah. I have a LinkedIn. I'm, I'm barely on it. I don't have premium LinkedIn, though. Oh, okay. I haven't been on LinkedIn in like six LinkedIn. years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Eli, do you have premium? Do you have LinkedIn premium? I do. I'm on it every day for work, so I mean, uh, I use it extensively. It's his only social media. He has to be on it. Yeah. So you guys can send me all the, the memes and keep me up to date on there. <laughs> Good. Okay. All right. Well, we got another matchup to go. So as much as we'd like to talk about LinkedIn Premium for a while, uh, we're going to have to let <laughs> you go. Congratulations to Eli. No shame in your game, Aaron. Uh, we'll say goodbye to you and bring in this next matchup after this short break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We are back with our second matchup of the day, the final matchup of this trivia, quote-unquote trivia contest quarterfinals, final matchup of the debate round. We have the number six seed, John, and the number three seed, Stevie Yanks. We'll go to John first, number six seed, defeated B-Berg 19, one of the great matchups of the first round. Uh, They swept an entire category, the hometowns of the Ducks. Um, John, thank you for being here. Hey, it's my pleasure. I'm uh, I'm psyched to be back, and I'm excited to try my hand at debate. Perfect. Uh, got the got the uh, really holding the nation on his back here from rural Manitoba, Canada, also city of champions. Um, trying to make up for Canada's disappointing performance at the Junior Goodwill Games about uh, 25 years ago. So a lot of history to uh, rewrite here, John. And well, you know. It, it it was certainly, you know, watching the documentary, disappointing to see, like, Iceland is the heavy favorite, and Canada is so far down the list. Not only do they not qualify for the semifinals, but, like, they're not even shown. So, yeah. clearly, yeah. Right? What what uh, happened there that year? What happened? I mean, you're supposed um, to be an ice hockey powerhouse. My, 
my best guess is um, one of the players from the Panthers in D1 who had the measles somehow gave it to Team Canada. That's my mm. theory that, um, wow. you know, the illness just wiped them out because, you know, otherwise there's no there's no excuse for them to at least not make the semifinals. That's, that's pretty much guaranteed. Any international competition, Canada's going to be there at the end. And uh, so that that's my theory, and I'm sticking to it. Do you think the uh, the best twelve year olds in Canada had like just said no, they weren't going to compete in the Junior Goodwill Games to get ready for the season? Uh, similar to uh, United States of America's recent showing in the uh, FIBA World Cup, mm-hmm. where they finished what seventh, something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's certainly a possibility, but you know, to be quite honest, like just with the the number of of hockey players, male and female, in Canada. Even if you don't send, you know, your A team, I think your B team can still be competitive with all due yeah. respect to the others there. Mm-hmm. So I fully appreciate that, yeah, they, they might not have sent their, their top guys. But, you know, if, if Canada, for example, had to send their B team to the Olympics or the World Championships, they're, they're still going to be competitive. They're still going to be there. So that's mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that could have been say, at least a, a bronze medal match somehow. And they probably didn't even make it out of route. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's. That's, again, why I think it had to have been uh, something to do with, you know, the team declaring their roster and then, you know, coming to, to illness. Because if you don't succumb to illness, then I think there's a good chance, you know, they're, they're, they're at least going to the semifinals. Yeah. Yeah. Great points here. Uh, John, I'm, you... glad, I'm glad we finally know. <laughs> yeah. John's been doing some research. Uh, John, you're a, you're a band teacher. Any competitions recently? Right. Uh, none recently. Our school year just got going, um, but uh, I'm excited to be back. Uh, don't get me wrong; the summertime is a, is wonderful, but uh, I I enjoy what I do. So, no competition yet, but uh, but I'm excited to be back and and work with the team. We uh, just in in rehearsal on Friday, threw some footballs around, mm. and um, tomorrow uh, I'm going to be uh, shooting some some eggs on the floor with instruments. <laughs> you know, using Bombay teaching strategies yeah. in my own in my own uh, capacity so yeah i'm pretty excited perfect i, I didn't know it bombay's coaching transferred over to uh band but uh yeah maybe you got some air bombay loafer kids in there as well so uh good luck to you guys this season uh one last one last thing for you you're at highway hodge on twitter your profile states that you are a disney channel star forensic files expert <laughs> Style by jury, ju- style by jury, juror, inventor of the faux polka. Are any of those things true? Um, the, uh, the the first three are probably debatable. I mean, the extent of my expertise on forensic files is that I've I've just seen every episode. Um, the fourth and final one, the faux polka, is is a decent story. I, I essentially was out at an event where somebody asked me to polka. And uh, I'm I'm a terrible dancer. Full disclosure. I'm I'm happy to play for people or sing for people. I can't I can't dance. I'm a terrible dancer. And so, you know, they asked me to polka. And for anyone unfamiliar with the polka, as I've since learned, the polka is essentially like a one two one two three with three quick steps. And because I'm lazy, I didn't do the three quick steps. I just kind of waltzed, and they didn't realize until the dance was done. And so they said, "Well, you didn't polka. You faux polka." And um, Thus, uh, a dancing revolution was born. Wow, um, Mike, do you remember that the polka was played at my wedding? It was. Yeah, yeah, 
you got the all the all the like older people went out there. They were going hard. Yeah, all the old Polish people were uh, were dancing to it, and, uh, and then they kind of sat down during everything else we played. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like like Manitoba has a strong like Ukrainian Polish kind of Eastern European uh, ancestry for a lot of people. Like I myself, I'm, I'm actually a quarter Icelandic, which, oh. which makes my eat to wow. a little bit. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm a little bit. Uh, what a there. what a bomb to drop right now. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Especially if we get a DT topic. But on my my mom's side, I'm, I'm half Russian, so I uh, so I've got some Eastern European roots as well. And so Jeez. it's uh, yeah, the polka is is pretty big here, regardless of kind of where you go. Wow. Wow. All right. Enough of John's life story. We got to move on. So uh, <laughs> we move to the number three seed, Stevie Yanks. Took him three categories for him to beat Jamie in the first round. He's from Greenville, South Carolina. Also, the reigning Quack Question of the Year winner. So, uh, still has that for a few more months here. Um, works for an aviation company, working with suppliers. Uh, but Stevie Yanks, where does the Stevie Yanks moniker come from? Uh, so, it's kind of a funny story. The, the way I... I mean, I sort of gave myself the nickname, which is kind of lame. But it's, it's because um, me and one of my my best friends uh, from my time in the army, we were uh, we were big fans of the show Jersey Shore. And I don't know if you guys watched that, but there was a scene in there where uh, Jay Wow was yelling at uh, at Angelina, and she was saying that like that she was talking like shit to uh, about all the Jersey Shore cast. And she said, oh, yeah, I heard this from Joey Yanks and I-420. And me and my buddy, his name's Ian, and, and uh, um, I'm from New York. So we were like, hey, we should start calling each other I-420 and, and Stevie Yanks. And so that's kind of where it came from, and it just kind of stuck. Wow. The uh, Jersey Shore continues to uh, shape a generation. <laughs> now, I mean, it's, it's, it's been revived, so wow. I, I have to say you're you're the first person I know who actually watches Jersey Shore, so congratulations. <laughs> oh no, it's it, it is one of the greatest shows on television. I uh, it it has inspired me to fist pump uh, many a time. Oh God! All right. Uh, when I send out the possible topics, you claim to be an all-American debater in high school. Is that actually true? Yeah, well, so it's actually it's an I was an academic all American, but wow. um, but I did um so I did like student congress and extemporaneous speaking in uh, uh in high school and so um went to like state championships and and uh, um did pretty well there in the finals and then uh, went to a few national tournaments and uh, um I was I usually was like the guy that would make it to the finals or the semifinals but I never like placed in the the top six or anything. But uh, um, I did get that like all Amer- academic all American um, honor, which was pretty cool um, to be named that. So, wow! When you were debating in high school, did you have what was like your your biggest regret? Did you take like the wrong like side on a certain topic, and then you just kind of you, you lay awake thinking about it now? Well, is it, funny enough, is, that's why this is actually kind of good for me because typically what you do in student congress is you get a, a a list of like 10 bills that you're going to debate and then you write an argument for both sides and then you basically just pick whichever side you get called on to go for first um so that you get your argument in so so i, 
I don't, nothing really stands out to me right now as something that I argue for or against. I do think there was the one time was like a, a joke uh, debate that we did. It was that the U.S. should invade Canada, I think. Um, and it was just like a joke tournament that we did. So it's, it's actually kind of funny now to be, uh, to, to be debating somebody from Canada. And, you know, actually on that topic, um, I will say in the, uh, um, in the spirit of coal, uh, you know we're going to hurt you. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> wow! I like that you pick trash that talk from the losing side. That's pretty. That's oh, pretty <laughs> all right, getting testy early. I like this. All right, I think uh, we all know the rules. Everybody, the listeners, even know the rules at this point. Um, any questions before we uh, reveal the topic? Uh, I just have one question. It's can you give a. a uh, um, duck call out to my wife. Uh, I got married uh, in between when I won Quack Question of the Year and now, and I got in trouble for not mentioning that last time. So oh. uh, you could give a duck call to her. That'd be great. How, how about this? If you win, we will. <laughs> <laughs> and, no but if you lose, then we're going to give a duck call to the um, to the person of, of, of John's choosing. Of John's choice. <laughs> Sounds good. Oh, All wow. Right. All right. That's a higher, even higher stakes than this uh, trivia round quarterfinal matchup, which, I mean, already almost the pinnacle of sport here. All right. So, your topic is Charlie Conway should not have given up his spot in the Junior Goodwill Games championship game. So, I'll read it one more time. Charlie Conway should not have given up his spot in the Junior Goodwill Games championship game we went to the random number generator john you are agree with this statement you say that charlie should not have given up his spot he should have played stevie yanks you are against this you are uh for charlie giving up the spot and becoming a de facto assistant coach uh stevie yanks you are the higher seed here would you like to make your argument first or second um, you know what? I'll go second. Okay. Everyone's gone second. All four matchups. The higher seed has gone second. John, are you ready for your opening statement? You'll have 90 seconds. I'm ready. All right. Whenever you start talking, we're going to start the clock. So take it away. To me, there was no argument that Charlie Conway should not have played in that game. Charlie Conway enters that game as one of the Ducks' best players. We see in D3 the way that Charlie becomes inarguably, in my opinion, the best player on the junior varsity squad. After he scores the game-winning goal in the D1 championship final, he is, in my opinion, one of the Ducks' best players and should have been in that game. You've got players on that roster like Ken Wu, who weighs about eight pounds and has never played hockey prior to the start <laughs> of the 1994 Junior Goodwill Games. You've got Luis Mendoza, who cannot stop. He cannot stop in playing in the game. You've got Russ Tyler, who is a small, out-of-shape kid from the street who wasn't even on the team to start off the tournament, and he's playing. Also, when he hits the ice, his only weapon, the knuckle puck, is completely out in the open. Iceland's prepared for it. They're ready to shut him down. Charlie is also, most importantly, 
most importantly, the only player in Ducks history with shootout experience. And what does the final game of the tournament come down to? A shootout. Charlie Conway with the triple beak and D1 beat. Hawk in D2, no question. If that game still goes to a shootout, he wins it. 14 USA. Wow. Okay. Good timing, too. All right, Stevie Yanks, you have your opening statement whenever you're ready. All right, so clearly the right thing to do for Charlie was to take himself out. First of all, he was not a special player, okay? So my opponent wants to say that he was the best player, but that wasn't until D3. Clearly he spent the entire offseason from that championship game till when they showed up in the hall training. Furthermore, my opponent wants to say that uh, Kenny Wu, Luis Mendoza, and Russ Tyler weren't special players. Those three players scored in the championship game. Woo, 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 Kenny Wu. <laughs> and Luis Mendoza finally stopping. Put it in, Luis. And then with Russ, the goalie. No! I mean, how can you argue against that? Secondly, Charlie is a much better coach than he is a player. First of all, he realized this by bringing Russ to the team. But, I mean, if, if it wasn't for Charlie's... Uh, Alley oop play. Uh, now, cowboy! Alley oop, boys! If it wasn't for that, the U.S. wouldn't even have tied it up at the end. And lastly, Charlie is all about selfless service. Now, I know he gets into a little whiny kid in D3, but before that, he was all about team first and doing what he could do, leading by example. And he inspired his team when he took himself out, and he inspired Bombay. So, for those three reasons that he's not a special player, that he's a better coach than player and the fact that he, his selfless service inspires the team he absolutely made the right decision all right strong starts well time starts too this has been the best time both were at like 126 127 there all right so stevie yanks you are up first in the question asking so uh take it away with your first question for john so, John, who would you have cut out of that lineup of the five people that were uh, in the shootout? Because I challenge you to make the argument that Charlie was better than one of those five. Uh, I think you could take out any of the three, and it's because Dwayne uh, gives up a bad turnover. That allows a goal. Russ, by the way, gets on the ice. The first thing he says after getting mobbed is, oh, man, I messed up as Iceland goes down the ice to score. I don't think it's relevant if you score a goal in a game when you cost your team at least one, if not more goals. We don't have any evidence that Russ has defensive prowess. We know that he doesn't have time to develop any type of, of real competency with the rest of the team. There's no chemistry there. He's a one-trick pony, and his, his, his trick is out of the bag. So I think you can take any of them. Charlie is a more well-rounded player with – with, with, with that proper chemistry with the rest of the original Ducks lineup. All right. Question number two, Stevie. Oh, I, I asked the next question? Yes. Okay. All right. So the next question is uh, um, if, if Charlie was the one that came up with the alley-oop play, do you think Bombay had it in him to come up with another play? I mean, he's already had so many plays that he came up with, with the figure skating yeah, in, in the D1 and all his other gimmicks. I mean, like, who, who would have come up with those plays? Well, I think you're giving Charlie far too much credit and that Charlie gives up his spot literally 
as the team is getting dressed for the game. It's not like Charlie gave up his spot 10 days before the final match, and he's had all this time to scout Iceland and put these plays together and practice them. Heck, the last practice that Team USA has, they spend frolicking with the beach ball, right? It's, 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 these aren't plays that are being developed well in advance. This is, this is Charlie messing around with the clipboard, and, and as much as, you know, maybe you can blame Bombay for, for quitting on the team momentarily. Um, you know, he, he got the Ducks to that game. He made the Ducks. And, and I think giving, you know, Charlie credit for the victory of the coach when he had mere, you know, seconds on the bench as the game was going to quote-unquote coach is, is, is far too much. All right. Question three, Stevie. So question three, this is simple. How many goals did we see Charlie score in the preliminary rounds of that tournament? Well, we don't see a lot of goals in D2. We know that Team USA scores a huge number of goals in the game, for instance, against Trinidad, the game against Italy. That whole Italy game, we see one goal. That comes from Fulton. We see Charlie score in the street hockey game, which is arguably the best uh, – level of competition we see team usa take on with the exception of iceland um and so i i don't think just for lack of information that we can say how he did the competition given that we, we we only see a very small sample size of the goals that team usa scores on the ice all right well done all right so we're gonna switch the roles here so, John, you have your three questions. Whenever you're ready, ask your first question to Stevie. All right, Stevie. If Charlie Conway is supposedly a masterful coach, now considering that a coach's job primarily is to recognize talent, how does he take himself out of the game when there are less talented players still dressed? So the argument that I would make there is that there were not less talented players already dressed. I mean, all the players that you've named, I mean, you brought up that, that Dwayne didn't score his goal in the shootout, and that's a fair point, but Dwayne was the best stick handler that Tibbles has ever seen. You mean for his age? No, Tibbles does not mean for his age. Okay, so Dwayne is still an incredible player. All right, and then you wanted to talk about Russ. Russ scored in the championship game. So, I mean, you can't use that as an argument. I, there is no player on that team that was better than Charlie at that point when that game was played, and he knows that, and that's why he took himself out. All right. John, question two. How then, Stevie, do you defend Russ Tyler getting mobbed on his first shot attempts of the game and saying, oh, man, I messed up because the entire ensuing Iceland rush is what puts that team up to nothing. I mean, obviously it was because of the great scouting by Wolf the Dentist Stanton and the spy Maria. Um, so that, I mean, it's very easy to see why they went out and rushed him. But, you know, through coaching, through Bombay, and, and you're kidding yourself if you don't think that Charlie gave him this idea. They put, uh, they put Russ into goalie pads. And then he scored the goal at the end. Question number three. Charlie Conway is given numerous opportunities to work with Coach Bombay one-on-one 
throughout D1. We see them develop their relationship. We see Coach Bombay spending extra time with Charlie, teaching Charlie his signature move. And the last time we see the Ducks play uh, ahead of D2 is Charlie winning the championship. I don't see, and I'm interested on your thoughts, how you can look at a player getting one-on-one coaching from the great Gordon Bombay, coaching icon, coaching legend, and say that he's not better than than people learning uh, the game on the fly. And and so my question would be, how do you ignore coaches or Coach Bombay's influence on Charlie when Coach Bombay hasn't even had time to coach some of the new additions that Team USA puts on the ice for that final? So it's very simple. The last time that Charlie had on ice time with Bombay was in that championship game. After that, Bombay went off to go play with players half his age uh, with the Minnesota mini ha ha wave. Okay. So that's first of all. And secondly, we know these guys didn't practice in the off season because when they're scrimmaging in their first, uh, their first practice there with team USA, Averman comes up and is chugging water. And Bombay says, didn't you guys practice in the off season? And, Averman famously says, you know, I knew we forgot something. So Bombay influenced them throughout D1. But after that championship game, those two did not have any, uh, any time together. I mean, geez, Bombay didn't even know that, that Charlie's wife or mother had gotten married. So the Bombay argument just does not hold up. All right. Strong, strong. Two strong matchups, two strong questions. Very, very fiery answers here. Yeah, yeah. It's getting <laughs> – I thought the last matchup we had was heated. This one's getting like borderline uncomfortable. But we'll <laughs> we'll go to the closing arguments. Um, John, you are up first. Uh, whenever you're ready, make your closing argument. Charlie Conway spent a year being developed by arguably the greatest amateur hockey coach in the history of the United States of America, and spent the following summer working on his game. And when it comes time to rally the Ducks, to rejoin, to fly together again, Gordon Bombay trusts Charlie to make that happen. Charlie goes on to become arguably the best Ducks player in all of D3. And though we don't see a huge amount of on-ice production from any of the Ducks, with most of those goals being scored off-ice, I think it's more than fair to say that the championship player who won them the final in 1992 in the peewee hockey league in minneapolis minnesota would have done the same again had he been given the opportunity to dress for that game charlie is the leader which is why he chose to give up that jersey but it should have been coach bombay stepping in to say no we need you because if we need to score that, that game-winning goal that you provided us just recently in the under the, the underdog story of the century. We're going to need to do that again. Russ Tyler's not going to do that for you. Russ Tyler will not. Kenny Wu will not. Dwayne Robertson will not. The heart and soul of that team, the glue guy, the guy with the shootout championship experience was the one who should have done that, which is why Charlie needed to dress for that championship game. Well done, well done, John there. So, Stevie, you have the final word here whenever you're ready. All right. So, the topic here is good old Charlie Conway, Captain Duck, right? And we're trying to decide whether or not he should have 
taken himself out like he did or if he should have played. And the argument is so in my favor for a number of reasons. Like I said, first of all, he's just simply not a special player. Everybody else on that team was better than him. He has never shown scoring any goals in play in D1, only in a shoot or only in the, the uh, uh, penalty shot does he score in D1. In D2, he's never seen scoring any goal. All the other players on the team that I've uh, mentioned that could have been taken out scored. And uh, to make the argument that the Ducks, uh, at Charlie being on the ice, helps the Ducks, I mean, we just know that that isn't true because even when he's the best player at the next in D3, they still can't win until they get Banksy back from the varsity. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, it is true that Bombay took an interest in Charlie in developing him, but he didn't develop him in true talent. He developed him with his little duck tricks. He developed him to think up plays like the alley-oop play or like Russ Tyler switching out the pads. He didn't develop him to be a premier player that could go on and affect, uh, affect the outcome of a game on the next level. And lastly, when we want to talk about him being the heart and soul of the team, being the real Minnesota Miracle Man, as Bombay told, uh, told the, the JV coach in, uh, in D3, it is exemplified by his selfless service, by him knowing where he, he stacks up against everybody for the reasons that I just said, and being willing to sit down on the bench and help coach right there alongside Bombay and it inspired the team, and that's why it was the absolute right decision that Charlie took himself out. All right. Well done. Well done. I think we've had the, – the debates have gotten progressively better and better and more heated as we've gone on. I would say this one was one of the best, if not the best one. Um, Joyce, just your, your first impressions here. Um, both of you are very impassioned, and I really appreciate that. Um, and I and I love um, BB's uh, movie or documentary references and uh, line shout-outs. So it's very well done. Um, I, I think both of you have very valid and strong arguments. Um, I do think it uh, was a huge oversight not to mention that Charlie's uh, infamous nickname is Fazway. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, there was uh, hardly ever any mention of Banksy, who is the player he took himself out for, so he could come back. And I think uh, I, I know Steve is, um, or uh, John is arguing that uh, Charlie was the best player, but I think we all know Banksy is the best player. Even though Charlie uh, says in D three he's not a defenseman, he's a scorer. He may be the top scorer, but I think. We all know Banksy is a more well-rounded player, and he uh, made varsity. Um, so I, I think uh, for both of you, you should have made that uh, a point in your arguments. Um, and I do like John mentioning um, that this is slightly uh, a Bombay uh, mishap for not mm-hmm. even stepping in at the end and you know shutting this down. It's like, why is he letting this 12-year-old tell him what to do? And making these decisions, you know, it's just like when he brought in Russ and then it's like, okay, we'll throw this kid on the team. Uh, so I, I think that's a strong art man in your favor. Um, and I, I, I think you, you could have also 
really drilled in on Charlie being, I know uh, Stevie's just talked about this being the heart and soul of the team, but uh, if, you know, the team is nervous for this game since they just got crushed and Wolf just busted Bombay's knees again. Um, so if, if they needed that leadership, maybe they did need Charlie on the ice. I don't know. Yeah, I think I was thinking the same thing about the Spazway. I think that's a good point. Um, I took John's argument about, you know, Charlie being – I thought he he made a good point that Charlie was the most sort of trusted from Bombay's and not necessarily right. trusted yeah. to score in, in the big situations, which is up for debate whether it would be him or Banks. But, um, yeah, excellent points I, there. Sorry. Is it okay if I jump in just one second? Tommy? I'll allow it. Okay, sorry. I just wanted to clarify when I said um, uh, Charlie was the best player on the JV team. Um, okay. I don't mean he's the best player because Banks was on the varsity at the time. I, I recognize Banks as the better player. Yeah, he, he did say but JV. He made a point to say that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Fair enough. Um, but, yeah, I think Joyce makes some good points there. Um, Tommy, your thoughts. So I think first, um, do you guys watch the show Chopped? A little bit. Um, yeah. Okay. So for, I do, yeah. So for those who aren't familiar with the, the format, essentially you're given random, it's a cooking show, you're given random ingredients, you have to make something. Every now and then someone will make something and forget an ingredient. And they have to do something truly special to, to not get chopped. Um, <laughs> and so... One thing Stevie did is in his final answer, he went over by 35 seconds. Oh. And so I think the question is now, did Stevie do enough in the first 90 seconds of his argument to make his point at the end? And should he be, um, when when Joyce, Mike, and I are making our decisions, how much do we need to account for him mm. violating the rules format? Yeah. Um, with that said... I thought that John had a bit of a, a boner, if you will, <laughs> in the uh, the questions part because uh, he didn't answer the first two questions very well. And in fact, the first question he misunderstood, which mm-hmm. was, who do you replace in the uh, the shootout? Mm-hmm. Um, and he just went on. He had a good answer for a different question, which is like, who do you replace overall? Um, so those two gaffes really stand out to me. In in the, in an overall very strong performance for both. Um, I, I think this would have been a fantastic championship match. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to throw that out there. It's one of those just really tough second round matchups. Yeah. So, Joyce, we made you go last in the first round. So we'll let you go first in this round. Uh, make your decision on who won this debate. Um... Even though he uh, went 35 seconds over, um, I'm going to give it to Stevie. Um, I, I I felt um, a lot more passion from him, and I think he he handled all the questions really well, um, and was, there was a lot of clarity in his points, and I think he really tied in how much uh, better Charlie worked as a coach um, than a player. And it's it's really you know up in the air how good of a player he was at that time. You know he drastically improved between D two and D three. So uh, yeah, I think I'm gonna give it to him. 
but it, it was a very, very valiant effort by John. All right. So I thought that Stevie did a great job of really citing a lot of evidence, um, which really stands out to me. Um, direct quotes, accurate quotes, um, and you can kind of tell that he knew what he was doing. Um, so I would have to give him the edge there, but going 35 seconds over <laughs> in a 90 second finale is very, very difficult. And you had not made your point, And I would argue it, the, the winning argument hadn't come yet in your, in your fine, in like the first 90 seconds of your argument there at the end. And so I'm going to give the edge to John here in this one. Um, cause I really expect better from an all American debater. Um, staying within the time parameters. Um, so I think you really shot yourself in the foot there at the end. But again, it is not like John was without perfection. But John, uh, I think, did an excellent job. Uh, overall, of course, he had a mistake. But I think Stevie's mistake was just a bit bigger and more um, more preventable. And so we're going over to Mike now. Yeah, I'm I'm torn because I was not even aware of the time uh, the time limit. Penalties. You were just so into it. Yeah, I was just listening for the argument. Um, it, you know, I, I would also argue that there's a lot of stakes here right now. And so one could say that Stevie's, Stevie's marriage is on the line right now. <laughs> if he doesn't win this and get that wow, shout out. No pressure. No. So, Mike. <laughs> I'm going to be in trouble, guys. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. I will say I, I expected Stevie to come in passionately. John, you seem like such a nice guy. I was not expecting the passion you brought, especially right away on that opening argument. So I was very impressed by that. Um, I don't think your gaffe was all that big because I think if Charlie plays, it probably doesn't go to a shootout anyway, but who knows? Who knows? Um, I liked the point about Charlie being the most trusted guy for Bombay in a big moment to score a big goal. So I like that. Stevie, you had a great point when uh, he asked uh, which player, like about all these players that were supposedly, I guess he brought it up in the uh, opening argument about which players were supposedly worse, and you pointed out that they all scored goals. I thought that was a big moment for you. Uh, Just strong all the way around for you. Again, as Joyce mentioned and Tommy mentioned, just the the depth of the argument, uh, multi-layered. Uh, a lot of evidence there. I don't really know what to do here. This is tough. Um, I cut like my heart is telling me to go with John. I thought he, I thought he won. So I'm going to go with John. Uh, Stevie Yanks, I apologize. You should, you deserve to go on to the next round. You just ran into a, a buzzsaw and a band teacher from Manitoba. So, uh, congratulations to John. Uh, Stevie, good effort. Um, John, is there anybody you want to you want to give a duck call to? Uh, I got married in October, so if you could give my wife a duck call, <laughs> she would appreciate that. Sure. What's her name? Uh, her name is Claire. Though, though, in the interest of fairness, could I also request that Stevie's wife gets a duck call as well? Wow. 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 Look at the sportsmanship. I know. After such a heated John, debate. John, you know, I just got to say, at the end of all this, with the, once we're done with this trivia contest, 
and everything. I'm a quack question winner, and I'm still on my quest to be number one quackalite. But I think we can crown you Captain Duck with that that <laughs> move of sportsmanship right there. Wow, that's true. Wow, you just gave up your uh, your, your spot, very, kind of. Charlie move. It's a very Charlie move. Yeah, yeah. for a very. That I want to switch my boat. <laughs> <laughs> Because you brought it, you brought it full circle. But then again, you didn't do it until after you won. So I don't know. Well, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. In, in fairness, I, I, I do actually like Charlie giving up his spot in the final game. Um, I, I, I it was a bit pain to argue against this, but that's, but that's, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> we had the exact same thing in the first round where they both felt the opposite way. So first of all, Duck called a Claire. And then, Stevie, what is your wife's name? Dr. Caroline. Duck called a Dr. Caroline. All right. Duck called a Dr. Caroline. And hopefully both of your marriages last forever. Uh, Congratulations to John. Apologies to Stevie. I feel bad that you have to go home after such a a strong argument there. can Can I say one more thing? Sure. So, Mike, you lost it for me. And to, to John, to John, good work, Captain Duck. Wow. And you know what? And Joyce voted for me, so I'll just say, great game, Joyce. <laughs> wow. I mean, we're, we're Quack Question winners, so. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a strong bond. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Quack. Stuff fly together. Exactly, exactly. For us, the thequackattack.com, at quackattackpod on Twitter, facebook.com slash quackattackpod. Go to iTunes. Give us five stars. Tell us what you think about this very controversial uh, final debate round. And remember, ducks fly together. Ducks fly together. The goalie! No! <laughs> We want our champions to be well-rounded and charismatic, not just uh, people who memorize a bunch of things. This is how we want our uh, our winners to be more reflective of what a, what it's going to take to be better in uh, American society, not just memorizing things. <laughs> yeah, I'm putting that true. at the end of the show. That's yeah, good. you need to you need to be able to uh, um, think critically. Deep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have to you have to defend yourself because defense wins championships. <laughs> true.